We're finding hope with Clifford the Big Red Dog, and we're telling a West Side story to the Ricardos. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Offscreen. We have our man Van back in town. He is back from his stateside jaunt and is here ready in time for Christmas. So welcome back, Van. It's good to see you. Thank you. I'm doing the end of Mac the Knife, you know, now that Mackie's back in town. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm glad I'm back this week. And I'm, I'm really sad that I didn't get to see you at the screening for this. I, 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 our first one this week. Because I know you must, you of all people, must have been looking forward to a movie, regardless of what it's about but written and directed by the one the only let's just say mr s mr a s um and this of course our first film does bear an uncanny resemblance to one of his previous tv shows as well at times like it looks and feels a lot like studio 60 sometimes Mm -hmm. why don't you tell us then about being the ricardos bex I, i know you're a big sorkin gal Oh, God, I do love Aaron Sorkin and I love his writing. I love the way things look and feel when it's an Aaron Sorkin movie or TV show. Mm. You know that the newsroom is a massive, massive top rated TV show. I know. Um, This is the movie starring Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem, and they both play Lucille Ball and um, Desi. uh, Desi Desi Arnaz. Desi 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 Yeah, I know. I don't know why I said it like that. I was talking about a different Desi today. Anyway, um, it covers a week in the life, a very prominent week in the life of the couple. Um, seven days in which they are filming I Love Lucy and all is at stake. There are things that are going on like Lucille Ball is being potentially outed as a communist. She is also pregnant and she is also having trouble in her marriage. You're not telling these people that I checked the wrong box. This is a critical moment, Lucy. If I'm going to die... I would rather die standing up. I don't have any idea what that is. I'm not an idiot. I didn't check the wrong box. You saw the headline. You can see the headline from outer space. Then please... Grandpa Fred raised me for when I was age four. He cared about the little guy. He cared about workers' rights. It was a tribute to him. And to say that I checked the wrong... Grandpa Fred, Grandpa Fred was wrong, Lucy! Yes, he didn't tell you the part where they throw your father in prison for the crime of being the mayor of a city. I was chased to this country, Lucy. Believe me, you checked the wrong box. Javier Bardem there as Desi Arnaz. And of course, if you're a proper nerd like me, you remember, of course, that Desi Lou Productions, which is the company that they run in this, which gets name-dropped a lot, is also the company behind the original Star Trek. That's right, without Lucille Ball, there is no Star Trek. That is the sort of unwritten wow. rule of uh, American television of the 1960s. I thought this was great. It got really yeah. sniffy reviews. But... Mm. It got sniffy reviews in that same way that the Tom Hanks Mr. Rogers movie did. Remember uh, A Beautiful yeah. Day in the Neighborhood? Yeah. And I can't help but wonder if that has a lot to do with the cultural attachment to that property. Like, mm-hmm. Mr. Rogers has a following, like an inbuilt institutional following in the US, as does Lucille Ball. Uh, you know, and, and, and I love Lucy. We don't really have that in the UK. It's not a thing that we readily embrace. If they made a Lamb Chop movie tomorrow, Clifford the Big Red Dog, we're talking about Clifford this week. Same exact thing. We don't have the cultural attachment here that that they do. 
So it's easy to see why they might have taken against it. Also, Aaron Sorkin tends to give uh, a lot of snootier critics uh, pause for thought. I thought this was really good, though, and I thought it had that yeah. back and forth that we, we've come to love from Aaron Sorkin. It doesn't quite work with the setting. Like, it's weird yeah. seeing this thing that's set in the late 50s, early 60s, and they're talking about gaslighting and all these more modern contemporary terms. But the performances are really good, especially like J.K. Simmons and, yeah. and, and the support. Alia Shawcat for it. A great supporting cast. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I have to agree with all of those points. And for me, there's this thing about this particular production that made it feel like it could totally have been a play, and but in a good way. Right. So the the thing about Lucille Ball is you're seeing the majority of what you're seeing of Lucille Ball in this uh, portrayal by Nicole Kidman is not the I love Lucy. You get snippets of that. You get the majority of it of her being her behind the scenes and actually what she's like in real life. And she is a tough lady that does not take any rubbish. And um, (laughs) she knows what she wants. And I really like that. And I thought Nicole Kidman, although the physical resemblance wasn't uh, like uncanny or anything, it's just it, like a pair of cheekbones, isn't it? It's yeah, like Alison Pill cheekbones. Yeah, and but what I thought was that she, you could hear that rasp in her voice. Like she properly mm. immersed herself in this role. And I think she did it really, really well. And you get lost in her performance, as you do with every Nicole Kidman performance. Javier Bardem, he shows that light and that shade, which is what you want to see. There's real depth to his performance as Desi Arnaz. And, you know, yeah, like you mentioned, J.K. Simmons is that kind of uh, support cast in general is great and it pulls up all these different issues in two hours 11 minutes Mm. keeps you occupied there are a couple of sluggish moments in it where you kind of go oh let's just get on with it but overall this is a fast-paced witty well-written as you'd imagine script perfectly performed by actors at the top of their game and actually it gives you enough change like you see for every down horrible moment that Desi Arnaz has you also have a a song and dance from him you know Mm. and then for Lucille Ball for every moment that you see her in black and white on screen you then have a flash forward to you know people talking about them as if you know who were who were there at the time and given that almost documentary feel, it's very, very interesting, this movie. And, of course, an extra star from me every time, just for including the great Ronnie Cox in your movie. All hail Ronnie Cox, king of the Robocops. Um, I will <laughs> say as well, I mean, I, I will say, I thought Javier about him was terrific and it's really got the mm. suave, sexy part of Desi Arnaz down. Um, this is out in cinemas then from today. So it's being recorded in cinemas from today. It's going to be on Amazon Prime as well, streaming, I think it's next week or, the, or over Christmas. Um, so you get a chance to watch it at home uh, soon enough. I think it's worth the jaunt to the pictures if you want a good night out. Um, I also recommend our next film for this week, which is called Hope, which stars uh, Stellan Skarsgård. And you're going to have to forgive me if I I have to get my my notes up on this one, because this is, uh, I think this is a Norwegian film. So it stars Stellan Skarsgård as the neglectful husband. And as our central figure, as the wife, Andrea uh, Brainhovig, uh, she's Anya. So she's like a, a stage performer. He's the state, the theatre director type. He's kind of a workaholic. She has had lung cancer, which she thinks has gone into remission. She discovers it, in fact, has not. It has now metastasized and has become a brain tumour. And it's looking increasingly likely mm. that this is the end for her. And though they, as a couple, have to brace themselves for the inevitable. And it's about... 
how they face their relationship as it starts to come to its ultimate end and they start to get retrospective and wow. sim- and, and long dormant feelings and arguments start to come bubbling to the surface and old arguments and old conflicts start to get reignited. It's a banger of a drama. If you saw that uh, Liam Neeson, uh, Leslie Manville one, Ordinary Love, last year... This has a similar kind of verisimilitude to it, as in this is going for that same kind of, look, we're keeping it real. We're going mm. for the character drama in the reality of this. Well, how, how else can you? Because it's such mm. a heavy subject matter. Uh, no, 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 you say that. How else can you? No, because I saw a movie this afternoon that's not out for a few weeks, and believe me, it's the worst case scenario for every sludge version of a familial human human character drama you can imagine. So believe me, there are a million worse ways this could have turned out. Uh, no, this is very, very good. You could have made this a much more maudlin kind of a melodrama. Thankfully, that's avoided. Great performances uh, from Hovig and Skarsgård. I mean, who doesn't love Skarsgård? He's always got the form. And this is played really well by making the characters nuance to the point that they are as unlikable as they are likable. You are mm. still meant to invest in them, but at the same time, deeply dislike them. And we're talking about, like, you know, a woman dying of a brain tumor can be deemed quite unlikable by this movie. And I love that about it. It's not afraid to poke under the surface and go for the really uncomfortable areas, but doing so in a way that feels true to the scenario, in that same way that I think that, that Ordinary Love did. If you get the chance to see Ordinary Love, by the way, which must be showing mm. on telly by now... Um, so it's just it's just a, a, a cancer drama starring Liam Neeson and, and Leslie Manville. Worth seeing. This is also very very much worth your time. Can't recommend this one highly enough. Worth it for uh, Hovig and Skarsgård, as I say, above all else. But just a really moving, really insightful, really heartfelt drama. Welcome back to Off Screen. We're keeping you cinematic and we're keeping you cinematic with Clifford, the big red dog. Now, this is something that might warm your cockles, make you feel ready for Christmas. Who knows? But Van is going to tell us all about it. Van, what is this about other than a big red dog? (laughs) Clifford, the big red dog, funnily enough. I mean, hence the clever title is about a big red dog. It's about a little red, little red puppy gets adopted oh. by a little English schoolgirl living in New York and taken home with the full knowledge that he will grow according to how much she loves him. So she wakes <gasps> up the following morning and he has become the literal size of her bedroom. Uh, her mum is out of town during all this and she is left in the care of her wayward American uncle, Uncle Casey, played confusingly by Jack Whitehall, who you can hear taking Clifford to the vet, played by Keenan Thompson, in this clip. Are you going to examine him? Yes, I am, because I'm, I'm a veterinarian. That's what I do. I, I examine animals. Mm. Mom, take a look inside your mouth there, buddy. Oh, easy. You want to maybe tell him? Oh, yeah. Clifford. Boy. Good job there, buddy. All right, let me take a look there. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. That's the large teeth on the big red dog. Yeah, so why don't we get you on the scale here, bud? What's only... It's just a platinum edition of the X9000. Sorry about that. No problem. I'm just going to write heavy. From that clip, I have not seen any marketing. I've not seen any trailers. I don't know what this is. Is this animated? Is this CGI? 
Is this a really, really big dog in real life? What is it? It is a live-action CG hybrid. So Clifford himself is completely mm-hmm. CGI. And it has to be said, the colour grading on him is not good because it's nothing like what I understand of the book, which, as I say, huge institutional thing in the US. Like, kids are you know pretty much given copies as they stroll out the womb in North America. Um, I, I watched this um, with a pair of kids, seven and five, and they loved it. They had a ball oh. with this. Uh, their mom and I also rather liked it. It's not going to reinvent the wheel. It's really middle of the road for like a you know PG-rated family movie. But it's got its moments. It's got its charm. And then, of course, it's also got Jack Whitehall. Now, this is where everything starts to fall apart. Because, <laughs> oh, my God. Mike, first of all, what did they have on Jack Whitehall that made him take this? That's a question I would love to know. Secondly, just what in the the big red hell the big red furry hell is that accent that he's meant to be doing and secondly why thirdly why go to the extreme of coming up with a lot of convoluted backstory about how jack whitehall and his sister are both english but he was raised in america from when he was two by which parent it's not made clear because they apparently both stayed in england so i think they just sent a two-year-old to america to develop an american accent to then do everything that he does in this movie up to and including a sequence in which he has to adopt a fake English accent, and it's terrible. The entire performance could basically be described as a lobotomized version of John Hanna from the Mummy trilogy. And I, lobotomized would be charitable, more like beaten around the head with a clog. It's insane. Also, every single line of dialogue they give to Jack Whitehall with that accent is abhorrent. There is a, a, a gag in there about... Burning Man that you're just like, wow, this has just been made by screenwriting Mad Libs, hasn't it? Uh, and of course, yeah, because this is a, a movie, you know, live action CG hybrid being put out internationally by a major American studio in 2021, um, there has to be needless pandering to the Chinese, which of course there is, in the form of a friendly, helpful, and very charitable Chinese billionaire who they happen to come across along the way. Um, Go figure on that. We know what the kids will love it. Parents won't be bored. If nothing else, they'll be to be really, really amused taking the Michael out of uh, Jack Whitehall. I oh mean, honestly, he fared better in a supporting role in Jungle Cruise than he does as the arguable second human lead of a Clifford the Big Red Dog movie. It is literally the movie you would have expected from that imagined pitch of a Benji reboot in, I think, the fourth or fifth season of Entourage. It's about that level of nonsense. But you know what? Perfectly enjoyable, disposable fluff. Have a good time. Fair enough. Go, go Fair take, enough. take the kids and have a kip. You'll, or at least in the bits, if you wake up in between, you'll have a chuckle or two. You know. Okay, well, there we go. That is, that is, I love a, a monologue from Van, and that's what you've just experienced, ladies and gents, and that's all about a big red dog. But I want to talk to him now about the big movie of the week, the one that will get you singing, dancing, and feeling like you were going back to yesteryear. It is Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Now, all I have seen about mm. this um, is that it is something that has had nothing but five-star reviews across the board. Is that worthy? I can absolutely see why. I I genuinely can. I I think this is absolutely a five-star film. And it's nothing particularly revelatory. Um, The idea here is that West Side Story in... Is it 59? Is West Side Story 1959? I I think it... Yeah, it may well have been. Um, 
the, the 59, we'll say 59 for argument's sake, but the 59 version, this, you know, Sinatra one, um, that, that looked like it was filmed on sound stages. The idea here is, let's do it for reals. Let's do it and make it look as real as humanly possible, as grand a scope as we can. But other than that, we're not really changing an awful lot. So, it is still the story of Tony and Maria, the star-crossed lovers, the Romeo and Juliet of their respective clans, who instead of the Montagues and Capulets, are now the Jets and the Sharks in 1950s New York. Tonight, tonight, there's only you tonight. I know now I was right For here you are And what was just a world There's a star tonight I remember that this pretty much cleaned up at the Oscars when it first came out in its first iteration. Is this going to do the same? Actually, I wouldn't be shocked. I genuinely would not be shocked. It's got that Spielberg build quality all over it. Um, the music, the score, and everything remains unchanged. There's, there is an adherence to it and a faithfulness to it that you have to admire. Spielberg, it seems, has not wanted to put his own sense of individuality on there. There is, uh, I, there's one character who now is made into, has now been sort of reworked into a, just an outright, um, she's outright gender fluid in this version. Or, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but other than that, there's no, there's not really any changes been made to this. It's a very slavishly faithful adaptation. The grandeur works. The cinematography is gorgeous. Uh, as you can hear from that clip, Ansel Elgort and uh, Rachel Ziegler. I think uh, she is actually a Broadway star, I think, isn't she, Rachel Ziegler, perhaps? I don't um, know. I thought she was an unknown that they'd Was she an unknown? I thought they'd role. gotten her from Broadway. I, I, I was not clear. Maybe. Uh, I can say, I'm not a huge West Side Story fan. I saw it once as, as a child, never really took to it, and it's, it's one of those things I've never really gone back and revisited. Having said that, watching this new iteration, now, first of all, I loved it. I, I was never bored. I enjoyed it end to end. I thought it was superbly well cast, really well staged. The way that it's been it's been put together with a, a, a lot of long shots, unbroken shots with a lot of movement to them, especially with the choreography. There's definitely been a lot of collaboration between the overall direction and the choreography in the second unit. Like there is a lot of, of, of adhesion going through this vision here. Everyone knows what part of the very specific same page they are supposed to be on. It's a very precisely done movie. And it's whimsical and wonderful. The music, I, again, as someone who doesn't really know West Side Story inside now, like, you know, now in my 30s, I will say it's, it's shocking to me just how many of the West Side Story songs are done to death everywhere else. It's like scenes from 2001. Even if you've never seen West Side Story, it turns out you've heard every bloody song in the thing. I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so well known, so well done. And uh, you, do you know what? I'm so glad that you you agree with the critics. I am I do. desperate to go and watch this on the big screen. It's exactly what I'm going to go and do. And I think that is the place that you need to enjoy it, isn't it? It, it is. I think if you can see it's the biggest, loudest screen you can. I think uh, a week after the, the, the tragic passing of Stephen Sondheim as well, uh, mm. you could not ask for a more fitting tribute than this. Yeah. 
Welcome back to Off Screen. As you know, we bring you everything on the big screen, the small screen and everything in between. And now we're in the middle part of our show, which is the small screen. And that means we're bringing you a big Saturday night hit to kick off your seven day guide to everything movie on your telly box. Is it a big hit? I'm not so sure, but... I don't think so. <laughs> We're going to talk about so. it. I know, I know. I was leading you up for a fall there, Van. It's hilarious. Uh, five star, six th- uh, 6.50 p.m. on Saturday, we have Geostorm. Now, this was not my pick. I actually picked yeah. Kick-Ass 2, and Van overrided my, my choice for good reason, but yeah. not better uh, reasons. Kick-Ass kick 2 is Bloody awful. It is a terrible, <laughs> terrible movie. This is bad, but at least it's amusingly bad. Not only is it amusingly bad. Yeah. Well, not only is it amusingly bad, it's also noteworthily bad in that they actually made this movie twice because they went back, scrapped half of it, and remade it uh, because they were just <laughs> unhappy with it. I think they spent about four years being made, this film. So much so that Gerald Butler is on two different rounds of I think, bee pollen being injected in his face at different points in the movie. And I think the female lead even got recast after they'd finished the movie. So they went back and reshot half of it with a different female lead. Um, it is the story of G- Gerald Butler is the satellite engineer who's the only man on Earth who can go into space to fix the malfunctioning weather control system that protects the Earth from dangerous weather and has now been weaponized and is being used to generate natural disasters all around the world and may somehow be tied to a plot to assassinate the president. There's something wrong with Dutch Boy. No, there isn't. Well, an entire village of dead Afghans may disagree with you. And then yesterday, an airlock just just opened by itself. We lost one of our crew. Dutch boy's not my problem anymore. That I am calling on. Because other than your daughter and your precious soccer club, Dutch boy was all you ever gave a damn about. Oh, yeah, once. Yeah, but you took care of that. You don't care. No? Well, then what are you doing living out here? Judging by the fact that we've had horrendous storms across the UK over the last couple of weeks, I think it's quite appropriate. Maybe some people kind of don't even want to remember that we've had these horrible storms and want to have a movie that reminds them of, of the terrible situation that the Earth is in. But Geostorm is on five star at six uh, 6.50pm on Saturday. If you want something completely different on your Sunday, I would very much encourage you to watch any of this series of movies because they're all brilliant. But this is on Sunday, we have How to Train Your Dragon 2 on BBC One at 3.20 p.m. I love these. I find these very emotional. I think they're <laughs> just wonderful bits of animation. And I laugh, I cry, I smile. Any How to Train Your Dragon works so well for me. I'm sure you agree. Absolutely. My nephew is, is a particular fan of this. He is three, just full disclosure. But uh, now, How to Train Your Dragon 2, I will admit, I sat in a preview screening of on Father's Day, public preview. Yeah. It was on Father's Day in 2014. Just bawling my eyes out. No shame yeah. whatsoever. Just no. weeping like a baby. It's a moving one. The How to Train Your Dragon series is good at pulling the heartstrings. It really is. Oh, 100%. So, look, guys... The two Gerald Butler movies in a row as well, it's worth noting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be you'll be forgiven for forgetting Gerald Butler's in that one. But yes, <laughs> he is. And uh, very good in this too that he is. Let's move straight on to Monday. Um, oh, this is an old school one, but a goodie. I remember as a teenager, everyone talking about Urban Legend on the Horror Channel at 9pm. 
Yes, Urban Legend, which was I think was the fourth or fifth movie out of the gate to try and capitalize on the on the popularity of Scream. You had Scream, Scream you had, yeah. I know what you did last summer. I think it is generally thought of that uh, Urban Legend came third in that. Um, the the idea behind Urban Legends, you've got a slasher movie in which the killer is killing according to urban legends. The cast mm-hmm. in this one includes uh, Alicia Witts, Rebecca Gayhart, Joshua Jackson, and Jared Leto as well. And it's notable for being very, very steeped in meta. There's lots of cameos in there from the likes of Wes Craven. Robert Englund uh, turns up noticeably as the, the college professor who teaches them about urban legends. Um, for me, it's worth seeing just for one really great gag in which it's revealed that Joshua Jackson's car stereo has a cassette in it that just happens to have been midway through playing the uh, the Dawson's Creek theme song, I Don't Want to Wake Up Coral, which... Uh, a little bit of inside nerd knowledge for you was not the theme song on the international broadcasts of Dawson's Creek. That only came later. But uh, that shows you exactly how entrenched in 90s TV I was. But keeping it with teenagers and keeping it fun and breezy, let's talk about BBC One, Tuesday night, 10.35. There is a little movie coming out next Wednesday on the 15th in the UK, on the 17th on Friday in the US. But on the 15th on Wednesday in the UK, we will finally finally get to see the live action Spider-Man side of the multiverse. Spider-Man No Way Home is out next week and you get to watch not one but both previous Spider-Man movies this next week. The first one is on Tuesday night as we say 10.35 BBC One Spider-Man Homecoming. We've got a clip but before we do Bex do you want to set this one up? Spider-Man Homecoming. Is this the one where they go on vacation? No, no the, it the is. European, they, they do kind of. The European vacation is the second one. This is where they go to Washington. They loosely adapt oh. Mr. Parker goes to Washington from the comics. This is Spider-Man trying to prove his worth to Iron Man, effectively, at the same yes. time that he happens upon a new villain in a suit with wings that happens to look an awful lot like a vulture. But of course he has to deal with the revelation of his best friend discovering his secret as well. What was that? Uh, nothing! Nothing! You're the Spider-Man from YouTube. I'm not! You were on the ceiling! What was it? Ned, what are you doing in my room? Well, let me in. You said we're gonna finish a Death Star! She doesn't know! Nobody knows! Well, I mean, Mr. Stark knows because he made my suit, but that's it! Well, Tony Stark made you that! Are you an Avenger? Yeah, basically. You can't tell anybody about this. Gotta keep it a secret. A secret? Why? Because you know what she's like. If she finds out people try and kill me every single night, she's not gonna let me do this anymore. Okay, 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 okay. I'll level with you. I don't think I can keep this a secret. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I can't believe this is happening right now. Do you know what? When you get a group of young 20-somethings or late teens that just Mm. work on screen but they're also mates off screen this is a great example of that and you know obviously now Tom Holland and Zendaya they are together but um, the the, the general camaraderie between I suppose the, Mm. the three of them in this is amazing and it works so so well and that was just a I was smiling throughout that clip. I thought that was just really fun. So that's Spider-Man Homecoming on BBC One at 10.35pm on Tuesday. Moving over to Wednesday on Film 4 at 11pm. Man, you're going to have to talk me through this one. It sounds sweet, though. Peppermint. This this was this is one of those best of a bad bunch picks, I'm afraid. Uh, we reviewed this uh, last year, I think, starred Jennifer Garner. And it was Jennifer Garner takes a shot at doing the Lady Vigilante action, th- the Jane Wick. 
This right. was this was her attempt to be the Jane Wick. Every every actress wants the shot at being the Jane Wick. Uh, so far, Charlie seems to be winning. I'll give Jessica yep. Chastain runner-up, I think, potentially for what I've seen of the three-five-five five, uh, so far. But uh, this is uh, she is the the the, uh, the the vigilante whose entire family were killed in gang violence. Sets out to even the score. Gets a reputation as an avenging angel figure known as the Peppermint. Um, it's hey, it's. Uh, it's, it's it's always interesting to see Jennifer Garner bring back the action chops that she used to have in Alias because that's kind of how she got her start. She mm. can handle that stuff. I think she's always watchable and very fun and engaging. Uh, the film is not great, but it has yeah, a couple of decent, gleefully visceral moments that make it worth it. Um, okay, one, the one that I know we always we always tout and we always have a good time with on Thursday night, uh, also on Film 4, 11.20. Thursday night used to be the night the TV was all about comedy. Let's keep it that way, I say, and turn to Film 4 for their 11.20 screening of Blockers, starring oh, the I great John Cena, Leslie Mann and Ike Barinholtz as the parents who set out to keep their kids from their, their daughters from losing their respective virginities on prom night. Yeah, you love this, I love this. Favourite bit, Bex? Do you have a favourite moment from this one? Um, oh, no, I don't have a favourite moment per se, but I do have lots of... Fa- I, I, in my mind, I'm almost seeing the entire movie and fast forward and I'm laughing. Like, that's just yeah. the way you kind of look at it. It's, there's lots of great moments in this. For me, it's any moment in which John Cena has to awkwardly talk about sex. Because I yeah. think he's he's incredible at that. And it's, it's one of yeah. my favourite things about The Suicide Squad as well, is whenever they, whenever they have to make John Cena either talk about sex or be really crass and vulgar. Because he's so dorky at it. He's, and he knows. He's so yeah. knowingly dorky about yeah. it. Yeah. But, he's but also, I think, I think also thinking about it, like when they the, the text messages, when they see the text messages, yes. and they kind of learn about the what's emojis, going on. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, the emojis and stuff. So it's brilliant. Uh, so that's on film for 11.20 p.m. Far too late for my liking. It should be on earlier and the whole family should enjoy that one. But <laughs> on twisted Friday... Very twisted. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on Friday, rounding off your week, we brought you one of these movies. Now we're bringing you the other. Spider-Man Far From Home. This is the vacation one. And mm. this is on BBC One at 7.30 p.m. This is really tea you up for the big movie next week but um this this is great this is the one with jake gyllenhaal and um yeah and this is where are are they in rome is that where they they are or is it they go on it's a european vacation so it's like a tour this is a thing that only happens in american teen movies by the way only in american teen movies do entire high school graduating classes get taken on guided tours across an entire continent that doesn't happen (laughs) anywhere else outside of american movies but that happens here and as as he goes on his magical you know vacation mystery tour peter parker is of course enlisted to help save the multiverse itself aided by the soldier from another dimension mysterio but mysterio may not be all he's cracked up to be versions of them exist across our mythologies turns out the myths are real like thor thor was a myth and now i study him in my physics class these myths are threats They first materialized on my earth many years ago. I was part of the last battalion left trying to stop them. All we did was delay the inevitable. The elementals are here now, attacking the same coordinates. Our satellites confirm it. We have one mission, kill it. You're coming with us. Mr. Fury, this all seems like big time. You know, huge superhero kind of stuff. And 
I mean, I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, sir. Bitch, please, you've been to space. <laughs> what a way to round off the week. I hope that whets your appetite for um, for the big Spider-Man movie that's coming out next week. So get your fill in, go and watch two great movies. I think Tom Holland is a great, great Spider-Man. Mm, and definitely. like I say, I love love the camaraderie uh, in all of these movies. It really does make you laugh. So there we go, Friday, BBC One, 7.30pm. When we come back, we're going to be taking you on to the world of Blu-rays, DVDs, and of course, streaming. Welcome back to Offscreen, and we're going to sail down the DVD and Blu-ray aisle, or the virtual DVD and Blu-ray aisle. We don't discriminate by based in reality or online. And uh, we've got two movies, and I think we actually reviewed these. I think this is, again, a case of two movies, Bex, that we reviewed the same week, and they came out theatrical. Either the same week or a week or two apart might have been the same week. Um, and they're now being released on DVD and Blu-ray the same week as well. Uh, the first is Respect, the Aretha Franklin mm. biopic. Do you remember this one? I do, and I remember being so disappointed by it mm. because you really wanted it to be so much better than it was. You saw this before me, didn't you? You saw this about a week mm. or two before me, I think, and you did pre-warn me, I think, about contrasting it with uh, What's Love Got, what's to, do love got to Do With It. Yeah. Uh, this is, who is it stars in, in, in this one again? It's Jennifer Hudson. It's Jennifer Hudson, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, is that, you know, that the, the grit that is in What's mm. Love's Got To Do With It is not is lacking from this but then equally it's just a bit of a slog it goes on for a very long time it's not really climactic and it's kind of like aretha probably was owed a little bit more than this i thought so for me it's just yeah it didn't really cut the mustard to be honest let's take a listen just a little bit just a little bit go a third below It's almost 3 a.m. Well, we're writing a hit song. It's Otis Redding's song. Just a little bit. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. Jennifer Hudson, amazing voice. You'd expect her to mm. sound like as great as as she can playing Aretha, but it's the over. She's let down by this movie, is what I would say. Now, equally as let down, I think, is the Many Saints of Newark, which also is out on DVD and Blu-ray because I remember. I was down about this, about respect. You were pretty down about the Many Saints of Newark as well. I, I, I was as well. I, for me, because it, for one thing, it felt like a very pointless movie. It had a lot of aiming entirely at the Sopranos fans. And yet at the same time was completely superfluous and unnecessary. Um, also, it resta they restaged stuff from the series and like really missed the point of why they were so, those moments were so great to begin with. Mm. It's it's just a very much a, a scene it all before gangster. You describe it as a decent mobster movie, but that's it. It's the kind of thing you would watch on Sky Cinema, for instance, and think yeah. to yourself, "I'm glad I didn't fork out fifteen quid to see that." You would feel yeah. shortchanged. You, it yeah. feels. Very, I mean, the fact that it, it, it's a Warner Brothers movie, so it debuted on HBO Max the same time it was out. 
that feels very apt for me with that one, I think, because it, it does feel like a, 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 you know, burn notice, the fall of Sam Axe, or 24 Redemption, or Battlestar Galactica, The Plan, any of these TV show filler movies that we used to see, like, during the writer's strike in 2008 and things like that. Um, one for the fans only, but you're going to have oh. to really... It, it, it's nowhere near as engaging as it would simply be rewatching the series. Trust me on that. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, let's let's skip on over to streaming. Um, and um, one that's for the fans, but for so much more, is uh, is Bad Boys for Life, which is on available on Saturday on Netflix. I mean, Van and I, this is in yesteryear, we went to this together to watch this screening and we howled through this. It's great, isn't it? Oh, Bad Boys for Life is an absolute banger. It was the movie that I said for a long, long time. And every time someone mentions that, oh, they've just started filming Bad Boys 3, they mean it this time. I'm like, sure, sure they do. I'll believe Bad Boys 3 exists when I'm standing in line for a screening with that ticket in my hand. And Rob Yeomans and myself and you, we all went together and saw that just before the first lockdown. In fact, interesting bit of trivia on on Bad Boys for Life. Uh, the, The 2020 Worldwide Box Office... Bad Boys for Life was the third highest grossing film of the year. Beyond that, the wow. top four were all Chinese. Uh, number five was Tenet, and number six was Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, Doolittle was the seventh, so that tells you how terrible a year it was for the box office during the pandemic. But yeah, uh, yeah third highest grossing movie of the year. Absolutely deserved it. Marcus Burnett and Mike Lowry, the bickering, uh, you know, mismatched buddy cops from Miami Vi- Miami's Vice Squad. Or not, they're narcotics, aren't they? Narcotics. Yeah. Um, are back, this time taking on the assassin with ties to Mike's past. So we're just going to do a knock and talk. What? Hey, look, all our lives we've been bad boys, all right? Now it's time to be good men. Who in the hell want to sing that song? Good man, good man, what you going to do? Well, maybe if you sing the song like you meant it, it'll catch on. No. Knock and talk. Yeah, knock, knock. Why does he get down? I need you on your knees with your hands behind your head right now. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And it's one of those films that I think you can watch again and again. And I've had much joy watching it again and again, actually. Um, So, yeah, Bad Boys for Life. It could have gone so wrong, but it didn't. It went so right. Um, So that's... Yeah, so that's available on Saturday on Netflix. Uh, what's next? Ron's Gone Wrong. Um, I'm speaking about the wrongs and the rights. We've got Ron's Gone Wrong on uh, Wednesday the 15th on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, this one's an odd one because this only came out theatrically about a month to five weeks Ooh. ago and is now shunting, being shunted over to Disney+. Plus. Uh, animated movie that uh, stars Zach Galifianakis as a sort of Baymax-like kids gadget for you. All children have a sort of robotic PDA or personal assistant or Alexa type creation that literally follows them around all day and serves as like a best friend slash Pokemon slash digital assistant. And uh, our lead characters won I believe the name Ron, obviously, uh, goes wrong. And, you know, you've effectively got a short circuit for kids. That's how oh. I sort of pitched it. I've not had the pleasure of watching this yet. Zara Phelan, our mutual friend, did the junket for this with Zach Galifianakis and Ed Helms. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching this. It's a cast that I really like. And I will get that chance on Disney Plus come Wednesday, the 15th. December. I think it's I think it's one that's gonna get a lot of play over Christmas. In the same way that Soul did 
last Christmas. Mm. Like Soul became a sort of stealth Disney uh, kind of hit last Christmas. I see Ron's Gone Wrong going the same way. Uh, yeah. This Christmas. Um, of course, which leads us to Friday on Netflix. And it's, uh, well, it's a Best Picture nominee. It is, of course, the Oscar winning Jojo Rabbit. Did this get Best Adapted Screenplay, I think, did it? Yeah, it wasn't an original screenplay, was it? No, no, no. Original screenplay went to Parasite, I believe. Ah, yeah. So Jojo Rabbit, Taika Watiti, his all star, quirky cast. He's kind of like. A little bit like the Wes Anderson thing, isn't he? He pulls together a band of merry actor, A-list actors to to be in his films. I think when you look at his body of work, specifically going back to you know his, his New Zealand his New Zealand based work, things like that, his, he very heavily is rooted in the Monty Python school of mm. comedy. Like he very much enjoys that surreal quality, that. That, that removal of reality. But at the same time, he does love to use that to find the absurdity in reality, which is mm-hmm. kind of why Jojo Rabbit, you know, about a little German boy whose imaginary friend is Hitler, does work. It's, it's a very, very, you know, played by a you know a Maori Jewish actor. It, it is absurd. It's not without its tragedy as well. It does have its heartbreak and its drama in there. Um, Scott Johansson gets a monologue in particular that's, that's quite harrowing in there. And uh, Stephen Merchant, I'm always happy to see in anything, as you know. Yeah, I think I need to revisit this. I wasn't a fan when I first no. watched it. No, quite controversially, I kind of didn't, it didn't sit well with me. So I was like, I'll watch it again at a later mm. date. Maybe because I was just so caught up with everything with award season. Removed that you sometimes from, you need yeah, to... Remove from the awards yeah. level and the hype. Because it, I mean, it came out smack in the middle of award season. Mm. So it, from the minute that was sort of coming along, getting screened, it was it was really hyped. And I think uh, Little Women was kind of the same thing. It's, it's worth watching it yeah. outside of the vacuum to, to get a better read. So I'm glad I'm glad that it's back on uh yeah I'm glad that it's back on on streaming so we can we can all watch it at our leisure. So look a good a good batch this week actually in streaming and do, and Indeed. DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah, I think you know my top pick would obviously be Bad Boys for Life. I think that is something that everyone should watch again and again and if you haven't seen it this is your opportunity <laughs> go and watch it for free it's amazing. Um and also that we've got quite a good solid big picks on the big screen as well. West Side Story is the one that you need to go rushing oh, yeah. to the cinema with. Um next week we've obviously got Spider-Man we have. We've got Spider-Man No Way Home next week. Uh, we've got the Sony, I think it's a sci-fi drama, Nine Days next week as well. Uh, ben Affleck's new drama, The Tender Bar, is out next week. Uh, is it Ben Affleck or Casey Affleck? one of the Afflecks. The Tender Bar, <laughs> that's out next week. Uh, the documentary, The Story of Film, A New Generation, that's out. Uh, Netflix have got The Lost Daughter, which I believe Eve is the Maggie Gyllenhaal directed uh, drama with uh, Peter Sarsgaard and uh, Swan Song with Mahershala Ali as a clone is out next week that's being released by Apple next week so we know for a fact we will be reviewing uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and The Tender Bar the rest are up in the air I think we might get nine days in there that seems a given uh, but which of the others we shall see you know what it's like we always scramble at the last minute to, to line up our uh, our new release uh, and preview picks as we're doing the plan well that's a that's exactly the reason why you guys need to tune in to us week on week. Just so you never know what we're going to bring you. Um, so, well, we've exo- curveballs, we've curveballs had a- as as curveballs left, see. right, and yeah. centre. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're excited to bring you more amazing movies next week. So stay with us. But for now, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. 